0: All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 9. The Bible says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but even follow that which is good both among yourselves to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. The weather And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that hath called you, who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, bless now the reading of Thy Word. I pray that that, God, You would give us wisdom. I pray for direction. And I pray for leadership throughout the message. Help me, Lord, to say only the things that You would have me to say. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach on this subject, on the essentials of a thriving church. The essentials of a thriving church. When you think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as Paul is closing out this epistle here, uh, he has spent much time in this epistle encouraging and strengthening the local church. Paul has had these believers both in his mind and in his heart and has made it very clear to them that though Satan had hindered him and problems and things uh, had been in the way through all the persecution and the affliction, Paul still had the desire to come to where they are and to be with them. But more so, Paul desired that this church would thrive. And so what he does in this passage here in the closing remarks of this epistle is that Paul gives them several different essentials uh, that will help them as a church to thrive and to go forward for the glory of God you know I want to see our church thrive I want to see our church uh, prosper I think every pastor and every member wants the same for their church you want to see God's blessing and you want to see God uh, bless the church and see the church go forward and a thriving church is a blessed church oftentimes. And so Paul leaves these believers with these essentials and I want us to look at them. And uh, I want it to be more than just a sermon, but a prayer on my own heart that God would do that uh, as He has so many times uh, within our own church. And so I want you to notice, first of all, in verses 9 through 22, I want you to see His admonishments to the church. Because what Paul does here from verse number 9 down to verse number 22 is that he gives them an admonishment. And uh, he gives them several things, that principles to live by, that will help this church to thrive and to go forward for the glory of God. And we want you to see these things here. First of all, uh, Paul mentions here in verse number 9 and 10 that he wants them to be knowledgeable. He said, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. So it was important to Paul that these people understood the times and the the seasons as far as the rapture of the church, the resurrection of the saints, the day of Christ versus the day of the Lord. Uh, He wanted this church to have knowledge of the fact that Jesus was coming again. As I mentioned earlier in other messages that Paul emphasizes that in every single chapter he talks about the coming of Christ. Why is that? Because he wanted them to know. He wanted them to have knowledge. And I think that in our churches today, if we're going to thrive and if we're going to go forward, uh, then we're going to have to have knowledge. Amen? That means good Bible teaching and preaching. That's essential for a church to thrive and to go forward. And so uh, he talks about uh, being knowledgeable in these two verses. And then uh, he wants them to be comfortable. Look at verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. So it was important to Paul that they be comforting each other. And I think that's one of the benefits of a thriving church is that some are up and at times when others are down and some are, are, are on the mountaintop when others may be in the valley. But together, collectively, that's what we do. We comfort one another uh, in the Word of God. And there's ne- There's been often times when I've went to church and I'm sure you can testify the same and I would go to church and maybe I might be down in spirit but some brother or some sister would have a kind word or a testimony or something that would bring comfort to my heart and Paul says that he wants you to comfort uh, yourselves together and so he says be comforting, be knowledgeable. That's the uh, some of the admonishments that he gives this church and then he says be edifying. Look at verse number 11 again. He said edify one another even also you you do you see as a church if we're going to thrive we're going to have to edify it. Now, I know that it's not all about edifying, but I'll tell you there are those oftentimes that they leave that out. Uh, they ought to be uh, edifying in the house of God. Uh, we ought to uh, to build up. We ought to encourage. I certainly don't want to be guilty of tearing down. I don't want to be guilty of discouraging people in their faith, but I want to be uh, responsible for edifying. And Paul said that is something that, that you need to do. If you're going to be a thriving church, you're going to have to encourage each other. And you've got, you've got to remember that these are people that are facing great persecution. These are people that's going through tribulation... And Paul said, you have got to edify one another. You've got to encourage each other that you can go on, serve God, be faithful. And so he says, be edifying. And I think in church, we could have revival if some people could just learn to be happy, just learn to go to church and be joyful and just be a blessing. So he says, be edifying. Then he says, be respectful. Look what he said in verse number 12 and verse number 13. He said, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. There's the word. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace, uh, uh, he said, among yourselves. So he tells them that they are to be respectful, to esteem them very highly in love for work's sake, those that that are over you in the Lord and admonish you. You know, we're living in a time when we have to teach now in our churches and we have to preach, respect the man of God, respect the deacons, respect the Sunday school teachers, uh, fear the, uh, the Lord, but fear God. God's man. You know, for years you didn't have to preach that because parents taught that at home. But I tell you, we're living in a Laodicean time. The word Laodicean means ruled by the people. And so oftentimes what happens is we have rebels in our pews and rebels even in our pulpits today. And so people don't respect the preacher like they used to. They don't respect the man of God or his wife. And I think it's important that we teach that and preach that. The Bible is clear about that. Them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish," he said. There that uh, he said to esteem them very highly in love for work's sake. Now that doesn't mean that we worship them, and it doesn't mean that uh, that we uh, that we put them on a pedestal to a point that they can do no wrong, and that we uh, you know that we just uh, just go to the extreme. But it means that we respect them. It means that uh, what they say should have weight. It should have authority, uh, and that if they're in the bounds of the Scripture, then we ought to be at all times respected I don't think a pastor uh, should be called, uh, listen, anything less than preacher, pastor, or brother, or man of God. But I don't think that, uh, listen, we ought to be on a first name basis with a pastor. We ought to have respect for that position, respect for that man of God. I don't think that... Uh, we should uh, just uh, treat them like they're just... Uh, a pastor is just like anyone else. But I think a man of God ought to be respected. Now, having said that, I also think that if as preachers, if we're going to be respected, then we have to live respectful. Amen? In other words, we're not to dummy down our position and we're not to just uh, live as uh, as just any old average Joe. Now, I know we're flesh like everybody else, but but he says to be respectful. And we ought to be respectful in our living as well as preachers and so then he says in verse number uh, 14 be helpful he said now we exhort you brethren warm them warn them that are unruly comfort the feeble uh, minded and so he says be helpful uh, he said uh, uh, support the weak and be patient uh, toward all men and so that's talking about comforting the feeble-minded uh, supporting the weak what is that that's being helpful don't you don't you thank God for those members in the church that are just helpful. They're just willing to jump in and just willing to get involved. Maybe it's vacuum the carpet. Maybe it's wash dishes on homecoming. Uh, Maybe it's something, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, just some area that that, that where something arises and it needs to be done and and you don't have to go to them and beg them or put a guilt trip on them. They're just helpful. And then they want to go around and help those that that maybe are weak in faith and they they support the weak. They comfort the feeble-minded. I think there's There's a special uh, gift that God blesses and and graces certain people with, but we can all be a part of that uh, by comforting and being helpful. Amen? And so he says, be helpful. Then he says, be merciful. Look at verse number 15. He said, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So in verse number 15, he says, be merciful. Don't render evil for evil. In other words, show mercy as God has showed mercy on you. Don't you thank God for people that are long-suffering and they're merciful? And that's what he tells us here. He said, be merciful. I think in a church, uh, we all should extend mercy one to another, for we all need each other's mercy. But here... And Paul admonishes the church by doing that. He said, "Don't." He said, "He said, don't render evil for evil, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men." Mercy ought to be something that we practice every day in our life uh, toward uh, toward everyone. We ought to practice it toward uh, those that are lost, but especially those that are saved. We ought to be merciful. And then he tells us to in verse number seventeen. He tells it in verse number sixteen. He tells us to be joyful. He said, "Rejoice." ever more. We ought to always have a song on our heart. We ought to always be joyful. When we go to church, we ought to go to church happy. Uh, I Sometimes I, I, I'm i amazed at how some people can come to church in a bad mood or a bad spirit. And of course, you know they're not right with God. You know they're backslid if they're coming in that type of spirit. And you say, well, I just got off work. But you ought to be joyful that you have a job. You ought to be joyful on the job and be a, a testimony. You ought to come in. Even if you're worn out and tired in body, you can still be joyful in your spirit. You can still be pleasant to be around, be happy. And uh, Paul says, here. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice in the good times. Rejoice in the bad. Rejoice in times of plenty. And rejoice in times of famine. And that's what the Bible said is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the word rejoice means to just uh, keep on having joy. Just having joy after joy after joy. And I'll tell you in the house of God it ought not be quiet. It ought not be silent. But there ought to be rejoicing in the house of God. Rejoicing in singing. Rejoicing in preaching. Rejoicing. uh, Listen in testifying. And Paul says, be joyful. Then he says in verse 17, be prayerful. He said, pray without ceasing. In other words, prayer should be constant on our lips and in our heart. Prayer ought to be something that we never get away from. I remember reading a story by, uh, by Charles Spurgeon where he talked about a man who was a beggar. And he talked about this verse. He said, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? He said, obviously you can't pray while you're sleeping. Obviously you can't pray when you're having a conversation with another individual. He said, so you can't be talking to God and to them at the same time while you're communicating. So Spurgeon said a good illustration of that was he remembered a man one time that used to go to the same street corner every day and beg for his daily morsel. And he said, how long that man was there depended on when the need was met. He said, regardless of the weather, regardless of the crowd, whether it was big or small, he said, that man stood on the street corner and begged every day for his daily morsel. He said, sometimes the need, it would take all day long for it to be met. He said, then other times, he said, the need would be met very quickly. But he said, after watching that man for 20 years, he said, I think it would be safe to say that he begged without ceasing. And he said, if that man could beg without ceasing, he said, I think that's what... This verse means when it says pray without ceasing. It means go at a certain time, a certain place. Be be consistent and pray without ceasing and, and stay till the need has been met. And so he admonishes them uh, to be uh, to be prayerful. And then he admonishes them to be thankful in everything. He said give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know as Christians we, we ought to be thankful in everything. I know that that's easy preaching and hard living. But it is a good principle that we ought to practice, and it's the Word of God. And we ought to practice every day to be thankful for the things that we have, for for having another day to live this side of eternity. You know, if you look around, the good always outweighs the bad. God has blessed us far more than what we deserve or ever expected. And Paul said in everything, and Paul was a man that lived by that, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Paul always knew that it was the will of God to be thankful. Whether he uh, was in a prison cell or, or whether he was under persecution or on a ship uh, in the middle of a storm, Paul knew that it was the will of God to always be thankful uh, for, for the blessings of God in his life. And so he said, be thankful. Then he says to be careful uh, in verse number 19, quench not the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most sensitive person that you and I know. And we ought to be careful that we don't quench the Holy Spirit in the things that we say, the things that we do. We must be careful. And then Paul says to, uh, here he says to uh, to be in verse number uh, 21, and we're to be careful in verse 21, prove all things. He said to be watchful. In verse 20, we're to be careful despite not uh, prophesying. We know that we're to be careful in how that we receive the Word of God. In other words, but then Paul said, Be watchful, prove all things. In other words, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Be watchful. Put, be observant. Put things... Don't take everything. Uh, listen, don't lay hands suddenly on anything, but be watchful. Uh, be, uh, listen, be observant. Prove all things. And make sure that, that, that it's the right doctrine. It's the right belief. Make sure that, that it adds up to the... and lines up with the Word of God. He said to be watchful. And then He said to be separated. He said abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, if you take separation in that light, it's not hard to be separated. God said if it appears to be evil, then God said abstain from it. If it has an evil face, if it has an evil label, if it has an evil message, then stay away from it. Avoid it. You know it's amazing the things that people accept accept today that the appearance of it is not holy, it's not righteous, it is not right, but it's evil. And I see, think about some of the movies and videos that people watch nowadays and I don't know what those videos and movies consist of but you can tell by the very cover that it's something that a Christian should not be watching or listening to. I look at some of the so-called Christian uh, contemporary artists today. Can I be honest with you? They don't look like a Christian. They don't dress like a Christian. Uh, listen, I look at some of the, the videos and things I've seen that they've made. I'll be honest with, you. it doesn't look holy. doesn't look. You say, well, what is evil? It's anything that's not righteous. It's anything that's not pure, it's anything that's not, not holy. It's that which is against God. And so when you think about that, he says, abstain from the very appearance. Don't go any further than the appearance of evil when you see that. And so Paul gives these uh, uh, 12 principles here, uh, admonishment. I see not only his admonishment to the church, but I want you to notice in verse number 23 and 24, his assurance to the church. He uses the word in verse number 23, sanctify. And we know that that word sanctify means to set apart. And we know that man is a body, soul, and a spirit created in the image of God. And notice verse 23, he said, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is talking about sanctification in our text here. And then we know that there's positional sanctification. We know that there is uh, progressive sanctification. And we know that there is perfect sanctification. The Bible talks about positional sanctification. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 10. Progressive sanctification in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 1. And then perfect sanctification in 1 John John chapter 3 and verse number 2 and so these are the different uh, types of sanctification but Paul says here and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly Uh, I pray uh, God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ listen man has a body soul and a spirit and when Jesus comes, he's going to eradicate that flesh and we're going to be completely and wholly sanctified at the rapture of the church the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ What, what wonderful new that is that Paul leaves with his church that there is the assurance to the church concerning uh, sanctification. And then there's assurance here uh, concerning uh, the sovereign. As he said, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. In other words, you don't have to worry about our salvation being completed, about it being whole one day because faithful is he that has called you. So will he do that. And so there's the assurance to the church. And then I want you to notice his appeal to the church in verse twenty-five down through verse number twenty-eight. Paul is about to close out this epistle here, and uh he uh wanted in this in these last verses here, what I want you to see is that Paul makes a final appeal to this church. He's admonished them in verses nine down to verse number twenty two. He's given them assurance in verse 23 and 24. And now in verse 25 down through 28, Paul makes an appeal. And when you think about Paul's appeal here, he wants their assistance in verse 25. He said, Brethren, pray for us. You know, that's interesting because Paul is talking here to the brethren. He said, I need your prayers, brethren. Paul mentions uh, the brethren in verse 26. He he mentions uh, uh, them in verse 25 and 26. And he mentions them again in verse 27. That word is found there and. In... Verse 25, 26, and 27. So he wanted their assistance. Paul, this great Christian, realized that he needed the brethren. And I want to say, we need the brethren today. We need each other. We need the church. The church needs each other. And so Paul, uh, listen, he wanted their assistance. He wanted their affection. Look what he said in verse 26. He said, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, this was their way of greeting each other. In those days, today, we go by a handshake. And I'm sure uh, you're, as, as, as I am, you're more thankful to get a handshake from someone, that, uh, especially uh, from a man, uh, the, if you're a man or a lady, if you're a lady, uh, then, uh, uh, then you are to get a kiss. And so uh, that was their custom then. But Paul, it's a it was affection. It was acceptance. And Paul, uh, he wanted their affection. Paul wanted them to know that he loved them, that, uh, that he cared for them. And so he wanted their assistance. He wanted their affection. But then in verse 27, Paul wanted their attention. He said, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. In other words, Paul, he said, I want all the brethren to hear what I have written in this letter. It was important to Paul that it be read to all men. And so Paul wanted their attention. Paul wanted their affection. Paul wanted their assistance. Paul, the great Christian, in his benediction, he mentions the brethren. He needs the brethren. I want to say I need the brethren. And I have seen some people that thought they didn't need the church. I've seen some preachers that felt like that they could do it by themselves, that they didn't need the church. But the truth of the matter is, we just need each other. If Paul needed the church, and he knew how much he needed that, you and I need the church. I need the church prayers. Brethren, pray for us. I need their affection. I love the church. Don't you love the church? And, and I, I'm thankful for a church that loves me. And then, I want their attention. When you preach the Word of God, you want the ear of your people. And if you're a Sunday school teacher, you want them to, their attention. You want them to listen. And I would say to every member, when the man of God preaches or the Sunday school teacher teaches, you ought to think about the time and the hours they've invested in that. They deserve to have your ear. And you you ought to count it a privilege to hear the Word of God taught or preached to your soul. And you ought to give attention. Don't let anything distract you. Turn your cell phone off. Stay, away, stay off your phone while while the Sunday school lesson is going on, the message is being preached, and, and take in what is being said here. And Paul, in these final verses here, in verse number 28, this final verse, he said, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You know, it's the last verse, but it's a great verse. You see, what do you mean, preacher? Well, notice his message. The message is grace. Paul said, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is a grace preacher. And Paul... It emphasizes in the very last verse of this epistle, he emphasizes the grace of God. He mentioned grace in the beginning, but he mentions grace in the end. Paul wanted to bring them back to his message for that day. That was the message of grace. And then his master, he wanted to not only leave his message, but he wanted to leave his master with them. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't Paul's grace It was Christ's grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was Paul's message, the grace. The master was the Lord Jesus Christ. And then his men, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you. Amen. Isn't that amazing that Paul, one of the last two words that Paul mentions involves this church. He had this church in mind. He had this church on his heart Paul was a church man, as I've said so many times preaching through this epistle. Paul cared about the church and Paul loved the church. Paul prayed for the church and Paul knew that his ministry depended upon the prayers of the church as well. So Paul, his message, his master, his men was the people of God. And I'm thankful for the church and as Paul, this great apostle, knew that that the church was thriving. He heard the good report. He knew that this church was going forward. It blessed his heart. It built his faith. It encouraged him as he was facing persecution as well as they were. And in return, he wanted them to know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ would be with them. Oh, that's comforting to know in a time of tribulation and persecution, in a time of uncertainty. It's good to know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is still with us in these days. These are the essentials... For a thriving church, what principles to put into practice? If you and I will live by them and apply them, our church can be thriving. These are principles that, if we'll admonish each other, and we've got assurance, and we've got the uh, we've got the 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 uh, security that if we'll just keep uh, following the principles that Paul laid out here to the church uh, uh, of the Thessalonians, uh, the uh, church of Thessalonians, if we will follow these principles. God will bless us as He blessed them. Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You once again, Lord, for these principles to live by. Thank You for the fact that we have seen all throughout this epistle that Jesus is coming. How many times Paul has reminded us over and over again that You're coming. Thank You for the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that it's my desires, my prayer, that everyone listening and those that are watching, that, Lord, they would be watching more now for the coming of Christ than before. May you get glory and honor. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.